In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Good morning. Now, if you were with us last Sunday, uh, perhaps you remember that we talked about the ascension of Jesus. You know, Jesus, uh, it was about 40 days after Easter, Jesus ascended. He rose up. No wires, right? No wings. Jesus just lifted up. And what we said last week is that Jesus promised in that moment, He promised the Holy Spirit, Right? He promised that the Holy Spirit would not be given any longer just to specific people for specific time periods and specific purposes, but now would be given to every believer for all time for every purpose. And ten days later, after that ascension, the Holy Spirit showed up. The Holy Spirit shows up. Our passage from Acts tells us that the disciples were all together in a house in Jerusalem. And it was during the Jewish harvest festival that was called Pentecost. That always happened about 50 days after the Passover. You may have gathered from the reading that it was a really popular festival. Uh, People, devout people from all over the world made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for this Pentecost festival. And we're not told what they were doing in the house that morning. Uh, They were, uh, were they praying? Were they strategizing? Were they playing Monopoly? Uh, We are not, that could actually explain why it was 10 days. Um, But, (laughs) but what happened at 9 a.m. happened suddenly. It happened suddenly. This sound, this sound like a storm, like a huge, sustained, whooshing wind in the house. And it doesn't say that it was actually windy in the house or that it wasn't windy, just, but it says there was a sound like that. And then fire appearing over each of their heads like divided tongues. Now, exactly what that looked like is hard to imagine, and yet whatever it was... They could suddenly and without any other explanation than that it was sort of downloaded into them by the tongues of fire, they could speak other languages that they couldn't speak before. And it seems that they sort of spilled out into the streets and the people from all over the world could hear them speaking in their own languages. It was a miracle of communication. The message that would have been lost due to language barriers was made crystal clear. And the world visitors hearing and understanding, I mean, they didn't just hear, but they, that was the miracle. They could understand hearing and understanding these Galileans speaking about God's mighty deeds. They recognized this as something divine. And they asked a really reasonable question. What does this mean? What does this mean? They wanted to know what this miraculous communication and this miraculous moment meant about the nature of God and about their own faith. 
about how they lived, they were to live that faith out in their everyday lives? And you and I would do well to ask the same question. What does this mean? What does the giving of the Holy Spirit mean for you and for me? On Friday, I was working on this sermon and took a little brain break and just was met with a flash of anger as I heard the terrible news of another school shooting. Ten more lives lost, this time just south of Houston. And I thought for for just a moment, what good is Pentecost? What good is the Holy Spirit if these horrible things keep happening? What does this mean? Our answers have to be able to stand up to hard questions like that. And so for us, in our everyday lives, in a world that is broken, what does this giving of the Holy Spirit mean? Let's try to get to the heart of the matter with these three points. Love came down. God moved in. The Word got out. Love came down. God moved in. Word got out. So first, love came down. Now, I don't, you probably missed it, but uh, there was a little wedding yesterday on TV. And um, don't you feel sorry for anybody else who had a wedding yesterday? um, And so presiding bishop, our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, preached, and there's been only like 17 million views of his sermon on YouTube already, but I was personally surprised to see that St. George Chapel was still standing after that. Um, Over and over again, people said he stole the show. And so they were interviewing people on the street afterward, and they, these people, I mean, who knows if they've been in, in church ever. I don't, I don't know. They kept saying, I love how that preacher talked about love. And then he, then he talked about love, and then he brought it back to love. And there's a reason that that sermon resonated so deeply with everyone, whether they were Christian or not, or whether they're churchgoers or not. It is because we were all made by God to be loved by God. We were made for love. And I don't mean that ushy-gushy sentimentalism, right? And I don't mean a self-centered demand for affection. I mean the world-creating, world-changing, God-incarnate dying on a cross for your sins and my sins, love. I mean resurrection from the dead, the defeat of death, the promise of the world to come, and the hope of the life everlasting, love. But life now is not like that. Life is not as it was meant to be. It wasn't then, and, it was, and it's not now. The school shooting declares that. The fights in your marriage declare that. The nightly news declares that. Life is not as it ought to be. We're broken people living in a broken world. And for that reason, love came down. 
in the person and work of Jesus Christ, love came down. And when his work of dying for sins and defeating death was done like a mighty rushing wind, love came down. Like tongues of fire, love came down. Making men look so different from the world around them, so happy, so giddy, that the world just assumed they were drunk. Love came down. Now you say, this is such an unusual, strange occurrence. How do we know that it was love? Well, in our gospel passage, we see Jesus speaking to his disciples on the night before he died, and he's telling them that the Holy Spirit was coming. Of course, that's what Pentecost is. He's describing the event we see in Acts. But the word that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit, did you catch it? It's advocate. Advocate. Sometimes that's translated helper or counselor. But I think advocate really gets to the nature of this Holy Spirit that has come down. Advocate says just how much this in-breaking God is for you. So I looked up on my you know, dictionary app some uh, synonyms for advocate. Champion. Upholder. Supporter. Backer. Proponent. Campaigner. Fighter. Crusader. Booster. Flag bearer. That is what the Holy Spirit is for you. But the one that really caught my eye was the antonym. You know, the opposite word. The opposite is critic. I think that's helpful. That the Holy Spirit is the very opposite of your critic. Love came down to do what love does, to be your advocate. Now, shall we respond to this love with lives worthy of his advocacy? Of course. Are we to allow him to guide us away from behaviors and patterns that don't glorify him? Without question. But he wasn't waiting on that. He took the first step. He took the initiative. He was breaking in. Love came down. And that is at least part of what Pentecost means. That God broke in then and He continues to break in now to a world that is desperately in need of Him. He is love. And He came down in the divine person of the Holy Spirit. Not for judgment, not for condemnation, but to advocate for you. Remember St. Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Love came down. And then... God moved in. Love came down and then God moved in. The Holy Spirit of God took up residence within these people. The fire over them was symbolic of the new fire that was within them. God moved in and the Holy Spirit gave them abilities they never thought they'd have. Abilities for His own glory and the advancement of His own kingdom. God moved in. You know, I think maybe more mind-boggling than the fire and the wind and the, 
the different languages. More amazing still was the Apostle Peter himself. I mean, Peter stands up alongside the, the other 11 disciples and he preaches this amazing sermon. This also is a miracle of communication because this is the simple, impetuous fisherman whose mouth was always getting him into trouble with Jesus. This is the fearful man who just about 53 days earlier had denied that he even knew Jesus three times. This is the discouraged man who about 40 days earlier was going to quit the whole venture and return to fishing until the resurrected Jesus met him on the seashore. This same Peter stands up before this astonished international crowd and interprets the meaning of Pentecost through the lens of the prophecy of the prophet Joel. How did he do that? It's because God had moved in. God was no longer external to Peter. God lived in him through Pentecost and was working through him. And later in the chapter, if you were to go ahead and read further in Acts chapter 2, which I hope you will, we are told that 3,000 people responded uh, to faith in Christ through Peter's message. And when they put their faith in Christ, you know what happened? Love came down and God moved in and took up residence within them. You know, I see this same thing happening so often right here in our church. Someone takes a risk. They step in, they lead a program, they lead a Bible study or some ministry. They just come into bloom. I mean, they never knew they could do that. They didn't know that they could teach children. Or that they could arrange flowers. Or they could lead a a team of people to feed the homeless. Or teach a Bible study. And you know, it would have worked out fine. I mean, it would have been fine if it hadn't worked out. We'd have just tried something else. But God moved in. And this, He worked through them to communicate His loving grace. Because you know what? Even flower arranging for the glory of God is a miracle of communication, isn't it? God moved in then, and God's still moving in now. And in fact, that's what we're saying to little Jonah this morning who will be baptized. He's not going to remember this day. But God is making a promise over him today. This same promise that was made over you in your baptism. That as he grows up, he is going to model the faith that he sees in his parents and his grandparents. And those who are around him and... At some point in all this, his faith is going to become his own. And he may be one who accepts it easily and readily. He may be one who tests it and runs away from it for a while. But somewhere in there, God moves in. That's the promise for Jonah. That's the promise for you and me. So love came down. And God moved in. And then word got out. Word got out. The text of our passage from Acts seems less focused on the miracle of the tongues than on the fact that people from all over the world heard about it. That's where we get all the detail in the passage. All the names of the countries and the regions where the people were from. Mark's a good job reading all those those names. You know, I mean, one one of the big things about Jesus being the kind of Savior that He is He's a Savior for all people. 
For every race, every country, and every language, and every time. The word about Jesus is supposed to get out. Because you see, God made a promise 2,000 years before this passage to Abraham that through his line all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And here it is. Not only is it available to all, but it's accessible to all. They hear it in their own language. Pentecost says that the, the divisions are broken down. All people united, unified by the work of the Holy Spirit around the message of Jesus. That's what Peter, Peter is preaching about. And if you were to go and read the rest of the sermon in the second half of Acts chapter 2, you will see that he is proclaiming the death and resurrection of Jesus. He's calling all people everywhere to faith in Christ. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Love comes down. God moves in. And then to that end, word gets out. You know what happens when word gets out? When the world around us hears about the love of God that is given through Jesus. When the world begins to embrace the grace of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus. When one by one people are shaped by divine love that is at the same time sacrificial and reconciling, reproving and affirming, sanctifying and freeing. You know what happens when the word gets out? Then love comes down and God moves in. And they learn to look at, as they learn to look at Jesus, they learn to love Jesus and to be loved by Jesus. And slowly but surely, people become quicker to apologize. And they become hungry to be loving and joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, and good, and faithful, and gentle, and self-controlled. And people regret their wrongs and try to avoid them in the future. And seek reconciliation to God as as seek reconciliation to others as God has reconciled them to Himself. And they begin to comfort those who mourn and please Jesus. They help people to change before they run off and do something terrible. One by one. And their lives become a testimony to the world around them. And then love comes down and then God moves in and the Word continues to get out. We pray over and over again that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Pentecost is the means for that to happen. Into a broken world that is desperate for the God that created it. Love came down. And God moved in. And the Word got out. May it be so for Jacksonville as it was for Jerusalem that day. Amen.